trucking. Got my chips cashed in. Keep trucking like the doodah man together. More or less in line. Just keep trucking on. Welcome to the new season of the VMP Anthology Podcast. Over these six episodes, two members of the VMP editorial team who are far from dead experts take a deep dive into the eight albums featured in this edition of VMP Anthology. So get on the bus with us and follow along with our long, strange trip. Arrows of neon and flashing marquees out on Main Street. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on the same street. A typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas got a soft machine. We're here to talk about the Grateful Dead. And I guess to start, Amelia, do you remember the first time that you like were aware of the Grateful Dead? Oh, to be honest, no. Well, and part of my my reason for asking that uh, to start is really like, I sort of think they're a band that just like, you're just aware of them always. Because like, I, I mean, I know when I first listened to them, but I know that I like knew the name before mm. then. They are one of those like um, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles even like they're they're just like prolific and you sort of like grow up kind of hearing that name Mm -hmm. actually it's funny that you asked that i'm like kind of having a memory now of listening to the grateful dead for the first time or actually hearing a grateful dead song or being aware that a song i've listened to was grateful dead um and like knowing that name and me thinking that like as a child i would hear the grateful dead and just assumed it was like a doom metal band like i remember (laughs) being really surprised by the the type of band the Grateful Dead was just due to the word dead. Yeah, they were uh, not like muscly, like scary guys yelling at you, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> like, the yeah. opposite of that. They were like guys wearing sandals or no shoes at all. Right. And that was surprising. I like remember be- feeling like almost embarrassed that I had assumed that. So I guess <laughs> that is my first, that's, that was probably like early middle school and that was my first time. Mm-hmm. being introduced to the Grateful Dead. How about you? Do you remember a specific moment? I mean, I, yeah, I, the, the first time that I remember consciously hearing the Grateful Dead was uh, the show Freaks and Geeks, which, you know, now has taken on this, like, you know, cult cult status show. But uh, I, like, religiously watched that show every week because I was a, a geek at age 13 and was – like this is a show about guys who are obsessed with Star Wars getting like picked on and stuff. So I was like, this is this is my story, man. Like this is it. And uh, in the final episode of that show, uh, the main character uh, like is stressed out because she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And she gets into this like prestigious uh, program, I think at the University of Michigan. And she decides like, she's in the counselor's office and she's like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And he gives her a copy of American beauty by the grateful Mm -hmm. dead. And was like, this will give you the answer to all of your problems. And I remember being, you know, like 14 and being like, yeah, man, that has to be true. Like that, this album will give me the answer to all of my problems too. And so I like, they played box of rain. Um, he, cause he quotes to her, uh, what do you want me to do to do for you to see you through? 
And I remember like specifically going to Target with my parents and being like, I need to go and find the CD. And they had the CD. And so that was like me getting into the dead. And I don't think that I listened to any song but Box of Rain on that CD for like at least a year. Like all I listened to was just like, man, this is all I need. I need Box of Rain. So you felt like it it gave you the answers that you were promised by Freaks and Geeks? Yeah, I mean, as a <laughs> yeah, as a 14-year-old with feelings, I was just like, yep, this is it, man. Like this is. And I don't know that you know, it's hard to access yourself from, you know, in my case, now it's 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just know that I like, lo- I listen to that song a lot. I don't know what my 14 year old self got out of it. But I know that like, today, when I play that song, I still feel like pretty relaxed and like, things are going to be okay. Like, it's like a calming song for me. Yeah. And yeah, and but the thing that, you know, and why we're, we're here on this podcast was like, my Grateful Dead uh, ex- exploration basically ended at Working Man's Dead and American Beauty. And I never got much deeper than that because uh, I think for, you know, like like a lot of people, the dead represented this like huge, like monolith thing that, you know, you heard that the live albums were where the band was at their best, but you go to the record store and there are a million <laughs> live albums and there's Dick's picks. And I'm like, I don't know who Dick is. Mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> what any of these songs even are on the albums. Cause like the songs weren't always like what they were actually playing on their studio albums. And they just seem like this big, like huge intimidating thing. And I just like got turned off of jam bands and in general probably, and just never gave them the time. Mm-hmm. And for you, like, you know, you, you were aware of the Grateful Dead in middle school, but like, did you, you know, how much exploration of the dead have you done prior to us doing this box set? Like what, what made you sign up to do this podcast <laughs> and experience this uh, dis- d- besides working at Vinyl Me Please? Um, but nobody forced either of us to do this podcast. Yeah, I want to make it clear that I'm here by my own will. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody, Cameron Schaefer did not hold us by gunpoint into the podcast <laughs> studio. But um, yeah, like, I mean, it, for both of us, like for, I guess for you, like, you know, what experience did you have with the dead prior to this and what made you really want to do this podcast and experience this, you know, alongside the people who are buying this and getting into the dead? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. And, um, I guess just to introduce myself for, um, anyone who's not familiar with me, I'm 24 year old woman and I am probably not, you wouldn't look at me and say that's a deadhead right there. Um, and, you'd be right. Um, (laughs) So I guess like kind of with that in mind, as much as I sort of fear admitting this right off the bat to an audience of largely deadheads, uh, my dead experience kind of up to this point was sort of one of avoidance and like you described, but maybe to a, a greater degree intimidation by just the massiveness of their catalog and kind of just everything about the dead. I guess to me, like their fan base, I've always had a fascination. I've always had, I've always just like been drawn to fans and drawn to deadheads. And I think like the sort of literally like religious 
lightness of their experience or sometimes like figuratively, like how heavily people get into this. It's kind of like, it's like sports. I don't follow sports, but when Mm -hmm. I see people at a sporting game and they're so emotional and they're so excited, like I've always been really interested in that and like wanted to feel what they feel. So I think it's sort of like this, it's always been this sort of voyeuristic kind of desire combined with the fact that I had sort of like written off the dead a bit. Like I think a lot of the sort of notions about the dead are kind of fabricated. And I think you described at least like when you described like 14 year old Storf getting American beauty and like finding meaning in it and to like finding importance and and life advice and feeling at ease with it. I think you kind of described like something like a really, really common thread amongst deadheads. And I'm curious about that. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like why. And mm-hmm. then I mean, what better way to learn than a VMP anthology, am I right? Right. The perception of deadheads, I think, plays in a lot to why people don't dive deep into the dead. Mm-hmm. And I and what I am realizing as we have started this process is that all of the perceptions I had of deadheads, you know, that they're like, uh, you know, the jam band kids in my high school, I was not necessarily a fan of, like, and all apologies to them now if they're listening to this. But Which like, they very well might be. They, yeah, they could be. I came of age in the early 2000s. And by then it was the jam band thing was like fish. It was widespread panic. It was the spr- the string cheese incident. It was all these bands, Mo, another one. And to me, what felt like, it felt unserious. And it mm-hmm. felt like, the people that were going to these shows, it was never like, man, this Mo show, the music was incredible. It was always like, I took 15 mushrooms Mm -hmm. and like, it was awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just thought like, I I sort of lumped the dead in with that. And Mm -hmm. what I have like learned in like reading about the dead and researching as we were getting ready to do this is like my perception of the jam band culture that I think is probably like an unfair reading on my part. That culture did not exist before the dead. And it came like after lumping them in with that is sort of like missing the point. Cause like there was no like precedence for people to follow a band around like that, you know, like where people were like taping every show and were like, you know, this version of Scarlet Begonias is like the peak version Mm -hmm. and like that idea did not exist pre them and Mm -hmm. then you know like I think it was hard for me personally to like separate what I thought of you know the the people I knew who were like doing the same for you know string cheese incident shows Mm -hmm. like I I like lumped that in and I guess what I've started to already like sort of wonder is like, have I been wrong about this, about all of them? (laughs) You know, like, have I been wrong about this, this entire subculture uh, because of like this perception? And I think through no fault of their own, the perception you have of deadheads is just like the acid kid at high school, you know? And yeah, I guess like, Part of like doing this for me is like trying to dismantle that idea of like, I like, I want to understand what people get out of this band specifically, because it's never like, 
oh, I'm a casual Grateful Dead fan, it's always like I am all in, mm-hmm. right? Like it is like a lifestyle choice. Right, like religious. Like you have to believe right. in some sort of larger ethos about the dead to get that excited about anything. It has to really like mean something to you. And I think that's that's really fascinating. And mm-hmm. it's held up against this sort of perception that you're describing and that like I very much had of like this unserious there was I had kind of a similar association I like obviously went to high school in like the early 2010s there wasn't much of a jam band culture presence but like there was very much like a a summer camp presence and like that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. I sort of associated with that and it's I think it's like in very there that perception and sort of what you think about those people and their values and the unseriousness once you actually start getting into the dead and realize like, oh, they're talking about life and death and kind of what that means. And also the music kind of slaps really hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like once you realize that it's just your your perception of that and kind of your experience and like the seriousness in a way with like what this culture is grappling with or you know the grateful dead themselves are grappling with i think that's just like a really interesting and stark contrast that i'm i've been acknowledging as i kind of like start this project Mm -hmm. and i i think a thing that's interesting too is like I think they're going back to like the religious motif. Like it does not feel like there are Christmas and Easter Grateful Dead fans, right? Like it's, it's all the way in. And I think Mm -hmm. that makes them like such a rarity in terms of like classic rock bands, Mm -hmm. because I, I, I feel like, you know, you've mentioned to me, you know, not on this podcast, we can talk about this person in your life, but like you have a friend who's like obsessively cataloging shows. Mm -hmm. And I think, there is not like a there is not a 24-year-old out right now who is like I am a completely all-in fan of like Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. right? Like like you can be a fan of them but you're not like all in on them in the same way that like it feels like the dead never went out of style for that. Yeah. Like there are people I know in my high school who were obsessive dead fans and I'm 10 years older than you. Mm-hmm. And they're the same. It's like the same. And I know what those people are. You know, like I know their whole thing. Yeah. And it's just like they are like a rare constant from like the world of classic rock. Like they were mm-hmm. not, nobody was saying the Migos were better than Grateful Dead, right? Like when the Migos were better than the Beatles thing <laughs> happened, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. And I just think that part of it, and I think that's, sort of like one of the the founding principles of Vinyl Me Please in a way is like we want to understand what the story of music and why people what people get out of it. Yeah, that's a really good point like this sort of idea that it transcends generations a bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. I think we've had like separate conversations, but I think to sort of address your earlier question like of when I wanted to do this project or when Mm -hmm. what piqued my interest. And I sort of generally referenced the deadheads. Yeah, I wasn't as familiar with the idea that there were like deadheads my age or in my circle kind of. And I was like out at a bar with friends last summer and a pal who had like somewhat recently like really become a deadhead, like was wearing, you know, deadhead merch out. We were kind of 
maybe even like lightly making fun of him or just Mm -hmm. being like, what's the deal with that? And he pulled out this like massive checklist and it was so systematic and so like strategic and everything that it sort of like violated like what I thought of like the dead as hippies and like this sort of, you know, free spirited. It was just like so systematic and it just broke down this like massive checklist of dead tapes and ones he'd listened to. And it felt like kind of this like sort of scavenger hunt. And after that, I was like, I mean, that was really like my first glance into dead culture and what this is and hearing him kind of talk about that and the way he was going about that. And even like, I think he had been doing this. I don't know if this is entirely correct, but like with like his older brothers. So just the idea that it's sort of like passed down and something you share and like do together. That's kind of when the switch like flipped for me at least. Mm-hmm. And it became like, oh, the dead are a name I know. I know some of their songs. They're iconic, similarly to the Beatles. And just like not really questioning that to like, oh, this is an entire thing that you can really like lean into and learn about and mm-hmm. still kind of exists and influences artists today and generations today. Right. Yeah. And I think for me personally, like, I feel like I've spent the last five years like undoing a lot of the ideas that I had about different like musical genres and like scenes. Cause I feel like when you're a teenager and even into your early twenties, some of us never grew out of this, unfortunately, but I think you have the thing of like, you know, you're defining yourself by what you, as much of like what you say you don't like as you do of what you do like. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I, uh, you know, I, in a few years ago, I went and spent a week at a country music festival. Um, and I like up till then said that I did not like country and I didn't listen to it. And I just went with the idea of like, I want to understand what these people are getting out of it. And uh, now it feels like this is an opportunity to do this for the dead because like with country music, you know, as you and all my coworkers of I know me, please know I now, you know, Sam hunt, listen to him like unironically and like fucking love him and try to get everybody on staff to listen to that stuff. And yeah, like the, the opportunity to sort of like, you see all of these people that are, they are getting like something out of this that seems to like very much be improving their lives, you know? And the idea that like you would be completely closed off to that d- just feels wrong in a way, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I, you should be open to that. And that's what I'm, yeah, that's like my main thing going into this too. It's just, you know, you want to, even if I, I feel like this will be a success if I get even like a piece of that, you know, the thing of your friend, like methodically going through the shows, like, if I even get a slice of that, I feel like this whole thing will have been a success, right? Yeah, a, a slice of that and just, yeah, any like uh, just glimmer of sort of personal connection to this sort of entire whatever like the life force is inside the dead that people seem to share like unequivocally to anything I can think of. Um mm-hmm. I think I like came here to to the VMP anthology podcast to to learn that and then hopefully to understand it and then you know most ideally experience it myself. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like this might be like a good segue to talk about like how we're dividing the episodes up. Yeah, it is. I was going to segue to that as well. So wonderful. Yeah, there's obviously just like a ton here and our the box set was curated not by us, but by the geniuses at Vinyl Me Please. Um, <laughs> that sounded sassy and it wasn't. Um, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but the geniuses at Vinyl Me Please, um, it's like split evenly into live albums and studio albums and we've split them up. So I'm kind of tackling the studio albums and Storf is tackling the live albums and I think it sounds like we share like a core desire of like wanting to understand, but I am kind mm-hmm. of curious since you are like have been a longtime fan of the studio albums and at least like a handful of them and are like intimately familiar with them, like what you sort of walked into these set of live albums sort of hoping to accomplish and how that kind of like deepens the goal that you've outlined. Yeah, like you said, like, yeah, I mean, I'm intimately familiar with American Beauty and Working Man's Dead. And I know that I had a CD at one point of Terrapin Station, too. And the live stuff always just felt like a huge, like, obelisk. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning when I'm thinking about it, like the 2001 Space Odyssey thing, like that understanding what the dead live was. Because I honestly, like, have not listened to basically, like, anything live. And the thing that um, I'm, like, really looking forward to, like, going into this is, you know, understanding, I guess, like, why the live shows are held with such reverence, particularly the Live in Europe album that we um, are featuring in the box, I think is considered sort of like the band's first, like really like golden live period. And I think like understanding the different like nuances that a deadhead listening to them that has experience listening to tons of the live shows like that they can tell you like this guy was playing keyboard like i'm really excited to get into like the minutiae of the live dead experience and you know being able to sort of like discern the differences in them right what are you looking forward to uh going into this like the especially the first round of studio albums that's a good question i think it's kind of changed from when I sort of signed up to do this project um, and now that I've sort of, you know, familiarized myself with the studio albums and I'm kind of preparing to do some of these interviews. I mean, I, I think at first what drew me to the studio albums was that was my lack of familiarity and some like, you know, some like nice tight songwriting and um, maybe what could be considered or definitely is more approachable um, like a more approachable format of the dead kind of is what drew me to that. And I thought it would be a really nice stepping stone or gateway into sort of understanding the dead at large, which I think is totally true. But um, as I've learned more, I think like a sort of loose inverse of that has become true in that like this is a band that's like lauded for it's live performances and the, like you said, like the minutia of that. And I don't think you'll find a single deadhead. And, you know, if you're out there, correct, please yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> that will like claim that the studio albums are like why you get into the dead. Mm-hmm. But I guess like because of that and sort of because of like 
the energy and the, the plane that the dead operates on and kind of their history of kind of clashing with the traditional like music industry and a studio setting. I'm just kind of like curious. I, I've kind of developed a, a fascination with like what happens when you sort of try and bottle that. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And I think in the case of like Working Man's Dead and American Beauty, especially, you have these like really incredibly written, incredible songwriting right there. And yeah, I think I've just developed a general like fascination with how that could have happened and like the trials and errors of that before they were recorded. And I think too, I, I think nearly every single member of the dead has come out and said like, we tried to make a studio album. We couldn't, like, it never lived up to our expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as a listener, I'm like, I'm way in, like, Working Men's Dad, especially in American Beauty, like, just referring to the first episode that, like, listeners are are about to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think, like, those are just some, like, phenomenal songs. The The studio albums are the scripture and the live albums are the church service, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like like that. the the live The live stuff is where they preached, and like the the scripture was the live album was the yeah. studio album, or even life itself. You know, like I guess I don't really. I'm not a part of a congregation anymore, and I haven't been for a long time. But even as like a child going to church, I like feel like everyone who's been a part of an organized religion sort of struggles with that. Like, Oh great. I'm going to learn to like, you know, love my neighbor and all of this stuff. Or like, I'm going to learn to, to do this. And then you, um, kind of apply that to like the chaotic and like nuanced reality that is life with that, that like is like filled with that much, like the, all those elements that you like can't really control for and then watch mm-hmm. how it, it plays out and yeah, yeah i guess and it, we are completely sober recording this this is yeah. <laughs> no i mean i love that yeah <laughs> yeah no i'm sorry i'm probably going in too deep on this no no i, I do, love it yeah i i like i guess i see it similarly and i feel like it, it would be a I, there's probably a good zillion ways you can get into the dead. And I don't want to like imply that uh, the studio albums are like the perfect or only gateway, but I think they, they're like a solid, a solid and digestible thing to, to begin with. Please don't dominate the rap jack if you've got nothing new to say. If you please don't back up the check. As we go through this podcast series, we are giving you a tour of your box set. And in that tour, we are going to interview a mixture of writers and people who have thought a lot about the dead are in our like super fans um, in a way that we are not. And like, we're basically going to get them to explain to us like why, what they get out. Can I revise like just a small wording thing? I don't think we're giving anyone a tour. I think we're inviting people to take a tour alongside us. Yeah, okay. Right yeah, good idea. Yeah. I'm not qualified to give a tour of the dead, but yeah, we are not. We are not licensed tour guides. We are. Uh, we are amateurs. So the first, the first two albums in the box are obviously American Beauty and uh, Working Man's Dead, and 
I, you know, like my own journey with the dead stalled out at those two. And I think like those two, and you know, they say it in the documentary, like, it's just, it's sort of like, it's almost like that's its own scripture. It's like, those are the first two albums. Like they are the, the ones with all of the like recognizable songs. They're like the beginner version of the studio dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode is live dead and uh, live in Europe, 72. And those are sort of the entry level live albums for the dead that like the live dead album is them at their most like psych rock, like freak out version of the dead doing acid tests. And then live from Europe is where you're first starting to see them do, you know, 18 minute versions of songs and like things are getting longer and all of that thing. And then it's like episodes three and four are like deeper studies. You know, it's like the 203 class instead of the 103, you know, that we we go to Wake of the Flood and Terrapin Station, which are deeper cut studio albums. And, you you know, you maybe aren't uh, sure like which studio albums after those first two to go to. So like here is your curriculum. Like here's yeah. the two. And I also think they're like a solid like checkpoint too. Sort right. of at, in the journey of the dead. Like right. let's check back in with like where we're at kind of in a studio setting and just mm-hmm. to sort of like see that evolution, I guess. Right. And that story sort of like, you know, the dead, they made other studio albums, but like after 78, they're they're mostly a, a live band. Mm-hmm. So then the last live two out live albums are Reckoning, which is them really playing with their live form because that's an acoustic tour. They like went out on the road and did not play electric guitar. And then, which is what acoustic means. As this journey uh, goes on through this season, uh, we will end this season with sort of a, a catch up between the two of us. And, you know, the final episode will be sort of where are you at with your own dead fandom? Because in between now and when we finish doing interviews for this, I think both of us will be obsessively listening to the Mm. albums. Yeah, like I think it'll be interesting. What in a perfect and if this goes the way you think it might, Mm. what do you think? Like, how do you think you'll feel about the four studio albums? Mm. Wow. Dang, we're going off script. We didn't have a script. But <laughs> um, that's a really good question. How do you think I'll feel about the four studio albums? I think like, I mean, I'm already starting to feel like I I get it more. Like I've I've definitely swallowed any sort of um initial as you know, we kind of outlined this sort of skepticism that a lot of people mm-hmm. have toward the Grateful Dead and that we both kind of carried and just simply becoming familiar with these four albums. I'm like, these are tight songs just on a very like superficial level. Like I like this music, you know, like that, right, that alone right. was kind of the goal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mowed my lawn to live from Europe uh, last <laughs> weekend and was like, man, this is super tight. Like just, you know, like, yeah. yeah just uh, a, yeah. an understanding. I think I'm definitely at the under, we talked talked about kind of the difference between like understanding where the deadheads are coming Mm -hmm. from and understanding this obsession, which I think both of us are likely there. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe just through talking to all of these experts on the albums and maybe people who have experienced at least a piece of like the making of these albums that maybe all sort of at least like humbly in my own way, I guess that's not just to the studio albums, but 
I guess speaking to your like specific question, I'd, I would like a comprehensive, a more comprehensive understanding of just the process by which they were made and sort of, yeah, I think I'm sort of gravitating toward this interest in what happens when you bottle that live sound and when you bottle mm-hmm. this sort of energy inside of a studio. Yeah. And then again, to reiterate, reiterate what I said earlier, I feel like I have a really solid like stepping stone for going into the live albums, which again, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of on my way to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess same question for you, like in a, in a perfect world, like, are you, are you going to like deadhead cover band like <laughs> events once this whole um yeah, before, over? Yeah. Like, is when I might before? not catch the plague. Yeah. Is your first step out of your house just straight to a, the Grateful Dead function or what are you kind of seeking from your live experience? Yeah, I mean, I think... Because I I think we talked about this once, you know, in one of our prep meetings is I think I generally have a sort of aversion to live albums in general, Mm. um, because I think in, in the vast majority of them that I have ever really listened to, it's, it's meant as sort of like a cash grab, right? Like Mm. the Interpol live album is meant to get you to buy the same Interpol album twice, you know? Mm. And I think like in a perfect world, I, and I think for that reason, I think I like the, the re, my experience with live albums, I don't know that I necessarily uh, appreciate the live music like format as mm-hmm. much as maybe like other music writers do or like music thinkers. Like I don't, I usually treat the, the studio albums as like, the gospel because a lot of the bands that i've revered in the past it's like that is where they're at their best is like on the studio stuff and i think like in an ideal world i leave this with like a new appreciation for the power of live music which feels like a big corny thing to say but like i think if any band is going to make me appreciate uh the like differences and nuance and like why live seeing a band live is important versus you know buying the studio album i think it has to beat the dead right yeah if if i'm going to appreciate live music as a format uh more than i do now it it will be through this you know yeah and i think i'm like on the journey to doing that but i think i'm maybe a little bit skeptical still Mm-hmm. at this point yeah yeah we did we did talk about this a bit and just as we've been sort of beginning this project mm-hmm. and yeah I think already I'm not even covering the live albums and I completely it's I feel like it's kind of impossible to like respect the Grateful Dead and understand the Grateful Dead without sort of changing any sort of perception you had about live albums if you didn't already have that to begin with right seeing them as like their own art form and as like something that can't that you you can get something out of a live album that you absolutely can't get out of a studio album and like I don't know I've I've long time been like a I love like pop music you know like I love Mm -hmm. like I love that that idea and I sort of I shared those kind of views I think it's just like you sort of have to realign that so I agree I like hope that and and feel as though that even though I'm just like covering the studio albums that there's something like broader to be said about the live album as its own sort of entity. Mm-hmm. Even just like watching the documentary, the idea, gosh, I'm going to like butcher whatever 
like quote um <laughs> or whoever said this i uh, apologize in advance but just um i think they just kept reiterating this idea this sort of like central theme of like anything could happen at any moment musically mm-hmm. speaking and if you want to extend that beyond the music that that as well and that was sort of like mind blowing to me when thinking about live albums cuz yeah same as you said i've sort of written them off or sort of struggled to see what other people see in them yeah and i think that's the uh the thing that i'm starting to learn about the dead is that their whole thing was like chasing some form of like musical perfection and i i would think that most of the band never thinks they actually got it but mm-hmm. that pursuit of that is what kept them on the road for you know close to 30 years and keeps them performing now is that like you know as dead and company that like the pursuit of perfection in music is like a lifelong pursuit and is like worthy of spending your life chasing Mm -hmm. and ultimately probably like unattainable but that's right part of it yeah which is i think like the zen of the grateful dead ultimately is that like you just and and that and that part of it feels like uh the great you know the grateful dead speak to life in a way that maybe you know the beatles don't that like because the beatles albums are basically perfect right like there are certain beatles albums where it's like you know it's it's been worked over and it sounds like there's nothing else that sounds that good and the grateful dead spent their you know we're like we have not gotten it perfect and they're just going to keep trying and that's, yeah, like the acceptance of that kind of, and they're not claiming yeah. to either. I feel like that's kind of something that like sort of in in reverse of like what I respect about the dead has sort of like irritated me about the approach to like, mm. you know, the Beatles or people who are like up there in terms of like how we sort of classically and historically like consider, mm-hmm. you know, rock music. Um, there just seems to be this like acceptance of that idea, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I think, I think that, uh, the Beatles and the Stones and Zeppelin and any number of bands since have been, I am trying to be the best band and the Grateful Dead feel like they're just trying to be the best dead. And that's different, right? Like, and that reads as sort of, uh, I think like from the outside, it can read as just like resigning themselves or something, you know, like they're not trying to be the best or whatever, but like uh, there's maybe more honesty in that pursuit, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I was sort of like skeptical. That was another thing I was skeptical of like going into this project or just like sort of uh, circumventing the dead throughout my life, like through my like listening experiences, like a, a touch point of avoidance was sort of this, idea that I thought was kind of like a farce of like authenticity and like it seemed like they weren't performing or like Mm -hmm. after anything I guess um and to to learn more and come to find that that's like a pretty genuine (laughs) pursuit um especially compared to like bands you could like discuss that are like of this caliber or like 
have carry this much weight in rock music um yeah that that was sort of just another like misunderstanding i suppose mm-hmm. i had going into it yeah agreed and i think through the course of this uh i think there's going to be a lot of uh a lot of like perceptions that we had about the dead that are like we're on the precipice of completely on you know like dismantling them or something you know that like as we embark on the rest of this podcast season i think any perception we have of the dead is probably going to be changed you know yeah i guess in response to that too i think i kind of developed a new goal as you said that which okay. is like kind of why, <laughs> like, why do we have, obviously there like maybe is some truth to it too, or like their fans bring some truth to these sort of like negative perceptions we have around the dead. But I, I guess I have a lot of curiosity of like where I got that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I guess for the listeners out there, uh, thanks for listening <laughs> to uh, two people who are not sure about the Grateful Dead and where their own uh, journey is at at this moment. But yeah, uh, I do just want to say like we're we're out here and truly experiencing maybe one of the most vulnerable positions you can like be in as a as a music writer or, like podcaster. I mean, first of all, I'm fairly new to podcasting in general, but like. We're like very, very authentically trying to like mm-hmm. have this experience with you and like learn almost as if we're the dead creating music. We're sorry, really <laughs> on one on these metaphors today. But like yeah. it is, I feel like it's just occurring to me that what we're doing or the way we're trying to set this up or format this is like pretty on par with with like dead ethos like we we're are open and anything can happen at any time yes we're, t- yeah. we're tuned in and turned on is that tuned in yeah. oh t- yeah the timothy leary uh turn yeah turn off tune in drop out i, th- I can't remember <laughs> we're sorry timothy leary uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this you happen to be listening um but yeah, I think, yeah, that that's going to be a different thing for this anthology podcast because this is my, what, fourth one of these that I'll have worked on. And I think this is the, this is going to be a different experience for everybody. If this is your, you know, if this is your sixth anthology podcast, like welcome. Thank you so much for listening to us. But this one really is us uh, alongside of you like trying to figure this out. We'll be doing it a couple weeks ahead of you because we're recording these podcasts in advance, but uh, it's, it's essentially the same journey and we just are able to call up, uh, you know, people like, you know, David Lemieux to tell us why, why the dead are special. And And if you aren't alongside us um, and you're not just learning about the dead and you're just a deadhead, like watching two fools navigate their way through, uh, through, the Grateful Dead, then also welcome and go easy on us. Yeah, please. Uh, her Twitter is at Amelia Sutliff <laughs> and mine is private. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's it for this. This season of VMP Anthology Podcast is written, hosted, and executive produced by me, Amelia Sutliff, and me, Andrew Winnestorfer. It's produced by Gabe Harder with assistance from Jonah Graber. 
Special thanks to all the listeners who are listening in and bearing with us on our Grateful Dead journey. 